Hi and welcome to Personal Finance with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 15, and if you've only just found us and stumbling across this episode, thank you for doing so. And after you finish this one, you can dive into our previous shows and have a proper binge in any order you like. They all work as standalone features, but make sure you have a listen to them all when it suits you, however it suits you. And then if you'd be kind enough to rate and review us, you'd be very grateful. Oh, and hit subscribe as well. And that way you'll get new episodes as soon as they're out and you'll be right up to date. Search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at what to do when someone dies, funeral planning and wills. They are very much worth checking out when you get the chance. And I guarantee, like me, you'll get halfway through an episode and realize it applies to you way more than you thought going in. And you'll have a heap of things to address in your own life coming away from it. This week, we move on to a relatively new topic, or I suppose what they might call uh, in other worlds a remix or a reboot. We're talking green mortgages. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How's things? Uh, good, thank you. As you know, I have no issue in dealing uh, obvious questions. So here goes, what's a green mortgage? A uh, green mortgage, it's, it's a mortgage designed for Celtic fans. <laughs> I, knew you would, I knew you wouldn't expect this to happen. Uh, yeah, a, a green mortgage, I'm only kidding, but um, yeah, a, a green mortgage, they, there's actually a couple of slight variations across lenders as to how they, what they would sort of class as a, a green mortgage, but pretty much it's a mortgage that helps the planet. For example, if you buy an energy efficient home, some lenders will give you a lower rate. So, so that's pretty much what a, a green mortgage is. Okay. I mean, I've never heard of them until literally right now, but all that might indicate is my own ignorance. So have green mortgages been around for a while? The, it's still a relatively new concept. Um, back in July 2019, um, the government introduced a, a £10 million innovation fund. Um, and what they wanted was that the, the plan was that they would, banks and building societies would cut mortgage rates um, and they wanted to sort of try and cut emissions and introduce this sort of green mortgage, so to speak. So it was, it was part of the, the green finance strategy. Initially, I, I would say like the uptake with lenders offering it was really quite slow. Um, in the start of this year, one of the, the lenders, Nationwide Building Society, um, I think in February 2020, they, they introduced a green, I think that was probably about the first green mortgage, but there, there's starting to be more lenders coming out with them now, but I, I definitely say it's something that's gaining more traction. Okay, um, so not quite big business yet. Uh, some of the high street lenders offering them. Let, let's say I'm keen on one of these, Phil. What sort of qualifying criteria are we looking at? I mean, are they more readily attainable than your, your traditional mortgage, say? Yeah, at the minute, um, the, the main lenders that are currently offering them, you've got Barclays do them, um, NatWest, Royal Bank of Scotland, I mentioned Nationwide as well. Um, so they're, they're kind of the, the, the biggest players in the green mortgage market just now. But you, you've also got other lenders starting to come out with, with new things like legal and general home finance. They do what's called lifetime mortgages or, or equity release they, they've got something slightly different. They offer a cash back to clients as a reward for, for people who are making their homes more energy efficient. So, for example, if someone was borrowing money to put in insulation, heating controls, double glazing, solar panels, if they were doing draft proofing, 
if someone was borrowing money with legal in general for, for any of that purposes, they actually give you a cash back of up to a thousand pounds to help with that as well. So they, I think over the, the coming months and year, the next year or two, I think there'll be more kind of innovations with the lenders. Some will offer different products, different rates. So it is, I think it will be something that will become more and more popular as well. But the, like the, the, main, the, the big banks that I mentioned there, the, the way that it works with them is if, if you're buying a new build property um, and it's got an energy efficiency band of A or B, um, that's when they'll give you a, a lower interest rate. So um, that, that's generally what the sort of criteria is for most of these is that it's all dependent on the energy efficiency of the, the property. So yeah, so th- this is the, the thing on when you get one of these um, house home reports, uh, if you're looking at a, a property and it will give you the sort of lowdown on one of the pages where it says how efficient it is in terms of, of energy. You're That's looking right. for a, a or B, you say. Uh, you right. mentioned there new builds. I would yeah. have thought that there isn't, uh, well, if you've, if you've got an older house, then there's probably more opportunity to make it greener because chances are it'll be less efficient. Yeah. Uh, but, but if you're getting a new build, do they just grant you that green mortgage based on the fact that it's energy efficient anyway? I know you, you would think that most new builds are going to be quite energy efficient. Yeah. Um, that, that's why I can see products developing for like the secondhand home market. That, that's the one that like legal in general have said like for, for insulation, heating controls, that sort of mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. people putting in double glazing. And I, I think we'll see more of that become available. Um, on, on the new builds, what you'll find is some lenders will have criteria where it's only available maybe through certain builders. Um, but you, you would expect new homes to be a lot more energy efficient. You mentioned about the home reports as well. Um, they've got like the ratings from A, B, C, D. I think it goes down to F or G. Um, but they, they, also num- they also number it, I think, as well. And I think if it's with, with some of the lenders, if the rating's over 81 to 100, then you would qualify. But I think that generally it tends to be that A or B rating. Mm. But if someone was thinking, how do I find out? If you look at, in Scotland, you've got the, the home report on a property you're buying, and that would show the energy efficiency, that there would be a energy performance certificate in there, which would show all of that as well. My brain's ticking over, uh, and I'm thinking about my own, my own situation. So let's just say, for instance, I live in a house that is about 150 years old. So there's, yeah. there's, there's lots of room for potential for, for going green um, or greener, but uh, the situation that I have is I already have a mortgage. So let's yeah. say I'm going to do something that, that makes it greener. Does my, would I be switching the entire mortgage? Would I be getting an add-on? How does that work? It does, like some, some of the lenders, I, I think that's what they're going to, to do in the future is, is try and get products where to, to kind of reward people for making their homes more energy efficient. Mm-hmm. At, at the moment, it tends to be if you're buying a property. But I, I would like to see more in the market for people who are doing things to make their home more mm-hmm. energy efficient. So you would hope, I know, for example, Nationwide Building Society, they, they created a, a billion pounds fund at the start of this year for green mortgages. Now that generally tends to be for people buying properties, but it'd be good for like to see lenders doing more 
for people who are taking that steps to, to maybe get their home out of one band into another and, mm-hmm. and maybe then reward them with a lower rate. I, I think that sort of incentives would be good for people as well. Because that's in a lender's interest as well, isn't it? When it comes to, if it, if it ever comes to a point where the property is, is sold on, then it makes it more attractive to another potential buyer. Also, I mean, if it ever got repossessed for any reason, yeah. the lender more likely to sell it. The, the more energy efficient it is, the, the more likely they are to, to sell it as well. So it sounds like, in, in your opinion, you reckon that maybe green mortgages will take off if there's a little bit of tinkering to uh, to the product to to make it that that sort of golden carrot that you dangle in front of uh, yeah I, I think I mean the, the government seem to be committed to to trying to encourage people to look at like green mortgages there was recent research I think one of the banks carried out research and it showed that 70 percent of their customers were concerned about climate change mm-hmm. but the, the research also showed that people were unsure how to reduce their carbon footprint. So I think things like this, I, I don't know, it, it kind of is a, a good thing. And I think it will become an awful lot more popular. Um, at the minute, properties make up 15% of the UK's total climate emissions. And I, I don't know, what, one thing over this year, I think people are becoming an awful lot more interested in like ethical things. They're becoming a lot more like save the planet so, uh, so, so I, I do, I, I really think green mortgages, I, I think in the next year or two, we're going to see an awful lot more options for them. Hopefully the market will start to become a bit more innovative as well with, with what companies are offering. But I, I do, it's, it's something, I mean, just now, see, see a year or two ago, people would have just said, I just want the best, best rate. I want the best deal, yeah. Like, like I, I remember myself when, when I first heard the term green mortgage, I was a wee bit cynical, but... I don't know, people's attitudes have changed an awful lot this year. And I, I do, I think the green mortgages could could be, become quite big in the next couple of years. And even, even, uh, even, this sounds a bit cynical, but even if you don't have uh, as much of a concern for the environment around you, if we're moving to um, a new lifestyle where we work more from home, regardless of what happens outside, and, you yeah. know, in terms of the virus, if we're going to be working more from home, you want it to be as efficient as possible, don't you? That's it. Yeah. Same, same with offices as well. I mean, then I, I've got the office here and we, we look, it's like, right, how can we make it more energy efficient? And plus, I mean, if you're getting things like insulation, that's going to save on your, your heating bills as well. So again, that's more money in your, your pocket there. Again, double glazing might be an expense to put in, but mm. that's all things that can actually save you a bit of cash over the, the period of time as well. And add value to the, to the actual building itself. That's as well. it. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I, I think maybe it's one that we'll come back to, Phil, when, when, uh, when there are developments. I can see this sort of being one yeah. that we'll, we'll come back to in, in future shows. Um, each week so far, we've, we've covered various topics. Phil's given us a look back over his, his own life and how it's been affected by the subjects that we've been discussing. I wonder if you've got an experience here, Phil, regarding green mortgages. We're not so much like green mortgages, but I know like green investments are, are really taking off. At, at the minute, at our work, we, we're getting a, there's a big thing at the minute called ESG investing. And that's becoming really quite a, a big thing just now. That, that'll be a topic for a, a podcast probably at some point in the next month or two, I think, as well. But what, what ESG stands for is environmental, social and governments. And basically, sorry, governance um, but basically, that what that is is 
companies are starting to promote like ethical investing, ethical funds. And so, so although my, my own experience at the minute of the green mortgages isn't really a lot, I, I, would, I, I can see it becoming an awful lot more in the next year because I, I can see what's happening on the investment side. And I think that's going to carry on over into the mortgage side with the, the green mortgages as well. It's a bit of a slam dunk, isn't it? You know, if you, you know, make money and do good. Well, who's, who's going to turn that down? I know. Sounds good. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, a slam dunk, like I say. We'll also do this bit as well, Phil. You, you find inspiration through uh, loads of people that you admire and you love a quote. Have you got one that fits uh, green mortgages or, or green? Do, that, this quote is from a, a chap called Robert Swan. And the, the quote, this, quote of the week this week, the greatest threat to our planet is the belief that someone else will save it. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to do Kermit. It ain't easy to be in case, <laughs> but it's worthwhile. Uh, okay, Phil, so to summarise in this episode, what's, what's our takeaway on green mortgages? I would say the, the main reason for, for kind of bringing this up is really just to make people more aware of it. I think when somebody buys a house, the fact that is it energy efficient, sometimes it wouldn't really be top us on these priorities but it's always something to consider when someone's purchasing a property as well so I, I would say the main takeaway is have a look at the home report see what the energy efficiency banding is and and just be aware that there, there may be options out there that if you are buying an, an energy efficient property may well be able to save you money on the, the mortgage because of that Excellent. One to watch. Now, Phil is uh, really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, then you can. And as always, uh, we'll ask them on your behalf or anonymously if you want us to. Let's get on to this week. Contact details coming up uh, in just a sec. Now, our first question today comes from Ian in Elgin, who says, Hi, Phil. I run a small painting business, which through a combination of luck and, I like to think, wise management has actually negotiated its way through lockdown far better than we envisaged. In recent weeks, I've been hearing of businesses which have been returning furlough cash because of unexpectedly robust sales. Is there a legal requirement? And if so, what's the qualifying point you have to reach in order to be compelled to return money? We're looking much better now, but we did have to take advantage of the furlough offer initially. It is an interesting one. That it's, it's almost like a, I don't know, a, you know, a, a two fingers up to the rest of any industry. Channel 4, I know, has put some furlough money back. Yeah, uh, there was another one with um, oh, it's a, a DIY place. What's it called? Uh, I can't remember. But you know, it's it's almost like saying, "Hey, look at us. We're great. We yeah. we've managed to get through this." Um, so how does it work? It is. It, it's something that that's more someone's choice. Um, the the thing with the furlough scheme is everything's changing <clears throat> quite quite rapidly and quite quickly. You've got local lockdowns, more national lockdowns, all these different bands that that people are in. So the, it, it is quite hard. To, keeping up with it all. So I, I can understand why people are getting confused by it. But um, if you've had money, I know one of the biggest mortgage brokers in the UK is a company called Mortgage Advice Bureau. Now, they're, during the, the start of the pandemic, their staff took a 20% pay cut. And what they did is they, they had quite good figures. I think it came out near the middle of the year. And when their figures came out, they said, right, we've had a good year. We're going to repay the staff that 20% wage cut. And they also repaid half a million pounds in government grants that they received mm. as well. It, it's one, I mean, like we've, we, we, my business has done okay kind of during the, the lockdown. There, there is times I think it's like, do we, like we, we got a grant of 
think £10,000 for, for one office that we've got and £7,500 for another office. And I'm like, well, we're, we're doing okay, but we, we are, our, our turnover is down from what it, it was. So I have been impacted on staff. And I don't know, I guess some people would say, right, is it ethical to, to hold on to money that you maybe they didn't need? But is, it's a, a tricky one. You'd get others that probably say, oh, but... We never get, you never get nothing for nothing. I, mean, I know with us, I mean, in, in our industry, we get whopped with heaps of big levies and, and mm. not so much taxes, but I often think it's like, crikey, the, the money comes in. And, I mean, we, we got that £17,500 and a week after getting it, I had, uh, I had a bill from the, the Financial Conduct Authority about £25,500. <laughs> in one hand and goes in another, but it is, oh, it's kind of more down to the, the individual or the, the companies, what they, they think is the best thing to, to do with that money. Okay, so it's a question of ethics as opposed to uh, a legal requirement. Yeah. Next up is, is Michael in Peterhead. He's got a question on investing in shares. He says he's fortunate enough to have some funds to invest and he's loosely where the markets are volatile, which he's uh, heard confusing, contrasting advice about. Some say that makes it a great time to invest. Others run for the hills. How could it be both, he says, and what should he do? There's probably a few bits to answer on, on this question. First of all, vo volatility can be a good thing because you've got what's called pound cost averaging. And what that is, is you buy in. If you're paying into something on a regular basis, you're buying in at different points. So sometimes you're buying in when things are up, sometimes it's down. And that's a way of kind of almost spreading the risk slightly. It's human nature. When, when things are doing well, people always think, oh, I want a piece of the action. I'm going to get in on, on this. And often when things aren't going so well, people tend to be a bit more cautious, thinking, oh, I'm going to hold back. I don't want to, to go into this just now. But quite often, you're almost going against the grain and, and and almost against your human nature. So, so quite often, I mean, it, it's a better time to invest when things are down as opposed to when things are, are higher. But the hardest part is timing it. And I, there's a, a great saying, it's like people say when you're investing, it should be your time in the market as opposed to trying to time it as to when you go in the, the market. So the, the one thing I would say as well is like, I mean, if, if you're buying, you mentioned about buying shares, I think you said in the yeah, question yeah. there. If you're buying individual shares, again, there's potentially more risk with, with shares in one individual company. But then at the same time, potentially, there's a lot more upside and a lot more reward. Um, another thing that somebody could consider if they wanted to try and reduce the risk is to, to maybe look at pooled investments. You, you get investments where the, the, the fund manager will invest in the shares of maybe across 100 companies. So if one didn't do so well, you're hoping it's going to be brought up by the, the other ones that did. So probably a few different kind of angles you could go at off the back of that question. Sounds like something that um, a financial advisor is going to be able to sit down and, and say, right, okay, this is what we've looked at given what you've said. And these are our recommendations um, ranging, ranging from sort of, you know, high risk to, yeah. to low. Um, and and you know, someone's probably going to punt for somewhere in the middle, which sounds like one of those uh, where you've got a fund manager and you're relying on their expertise on your behalf. I know. You're doing, I mean, there's so many different funds out there. The, the main thing for me is what somebody comfortable investing in. Everybody wants their investments to do well. Everybody wants great returns. But not every, and, and in theory, people will say, oh, yeah, I can afford to take risk. 
I've seen it so many times. Somebody's investment goes down, and they're hang on, that's going down. Yeah, yeah, well, it goes up and down. So you've got to. It's what some what somebody's risk tolerance, what's their capacity for loss? Can they afford to lose money? And it, it's weighing up all that. that. That's the thing that a good financial planner will do is they'll discuss all of that with, with people. Um, it's fine. I'm kind of going a bit off topic here, but I was uh, I was looking at uh, that there's a fund called BlackRock Golden General Fund. I think we we covered one of the questions one week was about like investments in gold. Yeah, yeah. and yes. people often see that as a safe haven, but. They, all, all the companies that have investment funds, they, they've got to produce a document that kind of rates the fund risk-wise. And it, it's one is the lowest risk, seven is, is the highest risk. And the other day when I was looking at this sort of gold and general fund, it was a risk rating of seven. So it was at the highest end of yeah. the scale. So it's, it's kind of important, I think, to sit down with, I, I'm always a great advocate to say to people, yeah, go and take financial advice. Going, a financial advisor can look at all the different options and um, certainly better than, than kind of like the, the old DIY option. But some people will do a bit of research themselves on individual companies. I know a, a lot of the, the newspapers and some magazines do like share tips each week. But mm-hmm. if it is individual shares, you've got to be aware that there is a lot more risk with, with that as well. Yeah, just going back to gold very briefly, I think roughly what I picked up from you last time was we only ever hear about gold as being robust or stable uh, when the rest of the financial world has sort of gone to hell in a handbasket. And, and they'd looks by contrast yeah. that it might be stable, but it's, it's actually quite volatile in itself. It. Like that, that fund invests in the shares of companies that, like maybe, they, it's all gold related. So they're, they're, they're sometimes investing in physical gold, but they're also investing in, say, like mining companies yeah. and, and a lot of different areas like that. But with that fund, now this year, it's done very, very well. But when I looked at the history of it over maybe about a five or ten year period, and gee, whereas there's times it's really quite mm-hmm. up and down. It's quite quite incredible. It's funny, I remember once sitting in an appointment with a guy, I can't believe he used this in, this in front of clients, but he's like, ah, it's up and down like a whore's drars. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> if, if it was me, I'd be tending to say... I'd be tending to say, oh, it's maybe up and down like a yo-yo. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I, would, I would get away with that one. But um, I would, that's I the would, expression yeah. I would use with, with clients. But uh, the yeah. markets and, and some funds can be real volatile. So. Yeah, that's what I picked up from that, from both of those. <laughs> right, I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to look at our back catalogue of episodes because we've covered a fair few topics so far and we might have touched on what you're interested in. Uh, I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us today for Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been talking about or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services Online or on the Facebook page for the show, search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or you can email him a question that he can answer on a future show. His address is Phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him that question uh, and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast, like I say. And please be assured, we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and please subscribe on Apple or whatever you get your podcast. Then you'll get us every week 
with the info you want when you need it. You've got all the links that you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Oh, and by the way, next time we're looking at getting mortgage ready. So still on mortgages, slightly different time. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Thanks, John. Have a great week.